Today, we are beginning a new sermon series on the book of Ruth, and I'm excited for this series. John Mark and I are going to be preaching through it over the next four weeks. And a couple things as we get started in this series. We titled this series, Finding Home. And you may remember back, uh, you know, it's been months since the 2018 calendar year began, but we said that over the course of this year, we wanted to preach about this being our spiritual home. And so uh, today, we're beginning this series called Finding Home, and we're going to be talking about how Ruth how Naomi, how the different people that we encounter throughout this book help us to discover and understand and talk about what it means to have a spiritual home. So I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're with us this morning. What a great morning to come together and worship. We're all well rested, and uh, so there's no reason for anyone to fall asleep during my sermon today, uh, right? That's what I'll tell myself. Uh, that's okay. Uh, but no, we are going to start starting this series, and I'm excited for it. And as Mike has just talked about during our communion meditation, what a wonderful way to enter into this, uh, we are going to be exploring what it means for Ruth, this Moabite woman, to come and join the, the family of God, the people of Israel. And how is it that we, as Christians today, live into that same reality, joining the people of God? How is it that we are the people of God? And God does describe us as God's people, as priests, uh, to, to the world so that we can encounter and, and, and bring others into this family. And so we are going to do uh, as Stanley Hauervoss and Will Willimon uh, wrote about all those years ago when they wrote a book called Resident Aliens. We're going to discover what it means for us to have a home with God and God's family, even in the midst of living as aliens in a place that we call home today. So in the book of Ruth, we begin this story. Uh, it, it comes right after the book of Judges. And, and it's an interesting context for this story to begin uh, coming after the book of Judges. Uh, but before we really turn there, before we really talk about what that means, uh, I want you to join me in, in participating in a little bit of an exercise. Uh, it's my favorite kind of exercise because it doesn't require you to move at all. Uh, and so we're going to do an imaginative exercise. So here's what I need you to do. Uh, I need you to, to whatever it takes, uh, I need you to be ready to be creative. Uh, now, okay, we've got a couple of younger kids in the room uh, today, and so uh, imagine what it was like to go back to, to being a child, uh, when it was so easy to just imagine new scenes, to imagine new situations, and to place yourself in the midst of it. So whatever you need to do, uh, you know, if you need to, like, put on your imagination cap, you know, uh, if you need to, like, see a different world through a set of binoculars, no one's doing it with me. Whatever you need to do, to become imaginative, to become creative. Uh, I want you to get ready to, to do that, okay? Right, can we do that? Are we ready? Okay, I'm gonna give you the least amount of information possible, and I want you to create a world with it. Create a whole scene, okay? And, and then once you create the scene, uh, then you're gonna turn to your neighbor, and in like 20 seconds, you're gonna tell them what your scene is, and you're gonna listen to what their scene is, okay? So here's the information. It's as little information as I can give you, and you're gonna create a whole situation surrounding this, okay? Here we go. I want you to imagine someone who feels homesick. Can you do that? Someone who feels homesick. Okay, create a world. Take a few seconds. Think about who is it? What's going on in their world? What are they separated from? Create this whole world. Once you have it, tell your neighbor.
Okay, stick with that image. Stick with the scene that you've created. You've got a person, you've got a main character. Maybe you have a, a, a place that they're occupying, they're, they're in a foreign country and they don't speak the same language, whatever it is, whatever the scene you've created, you've got somebody who's feeling homesick. Now, same scene, but I want you to imagine halfway through the scene, something changes. Halfway through this scene, something changes and they're no longer feeling homesick. Okay, once you have it, tell your neighbor what changed. Okay, chatter's dying down. Okay, I'm curious. Uh, I want to know what changed. What ended that feeling of homesickness? And, I, and I'm, I'm curious, I want you to, to let me know. Uh, somebody tell me what, either what you thought of or what you heard, what changed so that somebody no longer felt homesick and they now felt comforted or at home? Okay. A relationship. Okay, so uh, something changed where uh, they met someone or, or they re-encountered someone that they knew and now they no longer feel homesick because of a person. Great. Frank. An agreement? Tell me more about that. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're feeling alone, you're feeling lonely, isolated, and all of a sudden uh, somebody else tells you something different, and now, oh, okay, now I get it, and, and I, I agree with you. I, I, find, I understand your way of thinking about it. Okay, great. Anything else? Inclusion, tell me more. Okay, so it's like, uh, you know, uh, remember back uh, uh, recess as a kid, and uh, it's t it comes time and everyone's ready to pick teams, uh, and uh, everybody picks teams, but there's an odd number of people. Oh no, somebody gets left out. But halfway through the scene, it changes, and now somebody's included. I don't know if that was your scene, but that was the scene that I thought of. So, okay, well, thank you for doing that. Okay, so I want you uh, to remember these scenes, because uh, whatever scene you imagine, chances are you know someone, maybe you're the person who's feeling kind of like that, or who has felt kind of like that. You've had that feeling of homesickness, of not belonging, of, of not knowing uh, the way that you ought to incorporate yourself into a group of people or into a family or into whatever uh, group that you find yourself in. So you understand or, or you know someone and you can empathize and, and, and begin to see what it feels like to be homesick. Well, we encounter this story uh, from Ruth chapter one this week uh, of these two women. And these two women are gonna go through uh, their own different journeys, uh, a lot of similarities between them, but at different points in the story, I bet that they both felt homesick, that they both wondered what would it be like, what would, what would it be like to, to feel comforted, to feel security, to feel at rest at home, like I can just prop my feet up on the couch and relax, like I can just belong someplace. And I bet, as we read today and as we continue this sermon series, I bet what we're going to find is that in the people of God, there is a place that they can call home. There is a place that each of us can call home. 
Okay, so let's begin thinking about the book of Ruth. If you've got your Bible, feel free to turn over to Ruth chapter 1 this morning. We're going to read a little bit here in just a second. But as we enter into this, uh, I did mention that this book comes right on the heels of the book of Judges. And this is incredibly important. And in fact, the very first thing that the author of the book of Ruth tells us is that this uh, story, that this encounter, that this family, uh, it's happening during the time of the Judges. And that's really important for us to keep in mind as we're going to start reading here in just a moment, because during the time of Judges, the whole point of the book of Judges is that if you leave God out, things get worse. Uh, Read the book with that sentence, and I bet every single story in that book makes sense. Uh, If you leave God out, things get worse. Uh, And so throughout Israel's story, as as they're telling these stories of people uh, like Gideon and Samson, and, and over and over again, we encounter all these different Judges. If you leave God out, things get worse. And right on the heels of that, we encounter a different story, a story that's taking place at the same exact time, and yet God is included in this story. And we find this group of people who are so ready, so prepared to trust in God and ready to listen to what God has to say. Okay, so let's read, starting in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. During the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. A man with his wife and two sons went from Bethlehem of Judah to dwell in the territory of Moab. The name of that man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, and they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They entered the territory of Moab and settled there. But Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Then only she was left along with her two sons. They took wives for themselves, Moabite women. The name of the first was Orpah, and the name of the second was Ruth, and they lived there for about ten years. But both of these sons, Malon and Chilion, also died. Only the woman was left without her two children and without her husband. Then she arose along with her daughters-in-law to return from the field of Moab, because while in the territory of Moab she had heard that the Lord had paid attention to his people by, by providing food for them. She left the place where she had been, and her two daughters-in-law went with her. They went along the road to return to the land of Judah. Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, turn back each of you to your households, to the household of your mother. May the Lord deal faithfully with you, just as you have done with the dead and with me. May the Lord provide for you so that you may find security, each woman in the household of her husband. And she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And we'll pause right there because right off the bat, we see a story of this family the family uh, of, of Ruth and, and Naomi, the family of Malon and Chilion, the family that has lost so much. First, Elimelech and Naomi, they lose their homeland. They travel from, from what they knew as their homeland, their people, the people who spoke the same language, who did the same kinds of things, and they left, and they went to a foreign land. And while there, Naomi loses her husband. And eventually, her sons. She loses her family, the people that she could rely on and trust in, the people that she thought, no matter where I go, at least I'll have them, and I can call them my home. She loses them, and now she's returning back to her homeland after all these years, a place that she's not been, a group of people that she knows but hasn't been in contact with. She's leaving behind all that is known and going to the unknown. She likely feels homesick desiring a home where she truly feels comforted. And she's going back home to Bethlehem to try and find it. 
Now, a couple of things, a couple of interesting things that we don't quite pick up on in our English translations. Uh, the book of Ruth is a beautiful short story, and as most of the short stories do, there is a lot of depth of meaning. Uh, stories like Jonah, stories like Ruth, these stories have so much meaning. And so a couple of things right off the bat that we miss when we read through this, uh, right at the beginning of the story, what we call, what we might call small ironies are happening. Small ironies, little things that, that are quite, aren't quite right. They're a little bit off. And all of a sudden, uh, we begin to understand what the purpose of this story is. So right off the bat, we encounter some of these ironies. The name Elimelech, Naomi's husband, his name means my God is king. My God is king. Elimelech, on the heels of the story of judges, of a people who, whenever you leave God out, things get worse. One of the first characters we're introduced to, the name of this family, the face of this family, say, my God is king. They have not forgotten, as all the other Israelites have during the time of the judges, they have not forgotten who God is that God is their king, and they find their identity in God. Elimelech, my God, is king. We also find out where they're coming from, the town of Bethlehem in Judah, and yet they're Ephrathites living in Bethlehem of Judah. Well, Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem, the name of the town, literally means house of bread. Somebody remind me, why do they leave Bethlehem in the first place? A famine. They leave the house of bread because there's no bread. A small irony. And yet, they're going to return back home because God listens to his people and God has provided once more for them. One more irony. The name Ephraim. The name of the tribe that they come from. They're living in the territory of Judah, but they're from the tribe of Ephraim. The name Ephraim means fruitful. And yet, at the end of this story, Naomi is left without any children, without any family members, only a daughter-in-law with her. And yet God will provide fruit from this family that will affect the people of God forever. You see, David, King David, the great king in Israel's history will come from this family line. And so the small irony, of course, is in the circumstances that Naomi finds herself. When she leaves home, when she loses her husband, when she's in the midst of a people who have forgotten who their God is, through all of that, God will use this story in amazing ways to affect the people of God for generations to come and to help others learn and see just who this God is. At this point in the story, though, Naomi is left alone. Her sense of loss is total. It's complete. She has nothing left. She even encourages her daughters-in-law to go back home, to find new husbands, to begin new families, new places where they can belong and where they can identify. And she's going to begin the long march back home by herself. She encourages both Orpah and Ruth, go back home, find new families, and yet that's not where the story ends. Let's pick up again in verse 15. Naomi says, look, to Ruth, your sister-in-law is returning to her people and to her gods. Turn back after your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to abandon you, to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. 
May the Lord do this to me, and more so, if even death separates me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her about it. And so both of them went along until they arrived at Bethlehem. When they arrived, the whole town was excited on account of them, and the women of the town asked, Can this be Naomi? She replied to them, Don't call me Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has returned me empty. Why would you call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has deemed me guilty? Thus Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, returned with her from the territory of Moab. And they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Can you imagine the scene? Can you imagine walking back into town, and all of a sudden everyone begins to talk? Ruth has just made this amazing declaration, this amazing statement of promise Wherever you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And so at least Naomi is not alone. But as they enter back into the town, the whispers begin to start. People haven't seen Naomi for over a decade, probably longer. All of a sudden, she returns back home. Can this be Naomi? She's alone. Where is her husband? Where are her sons? And look who she's brought with her, Ruth, a Moabite. Ruth, a Moabite. How could Naomi bring Ruth back home with her? See, the whispers have begun to start, and they're, they're excited, they're curious, they, they're ready for the gossip. They want to know what's going on. And Ruth, the Moabite, what's with that? Why would you bring a Moabite back to Israel? Israel and Moab, they don't have a very good history together. In fact, multiple points through the Old Testament, we find encounters that Israel has with the Moabite people. Every time we encounter them, it's in shame. It's in disgrace. It's when the people are at odds with one another, when their hostilities are at their highest. In fact, the very first story, the origins of the people of Moab, come from the book of Genesis, chapter 19. It's a story that most of us would probably feel a little uncomfortable if we read it together today. Moab has questionable beginnings. But not only does Moab have questionable beginnings, they begin to fight with Israel. And in multiple points, Numbers 22 and Judges 3, war breaks out between Israel and Moab. These people are at odds with one another. They're at conflict. They both think that they belong to God. And yet, they have significant differences. And there are other places like Numbers 25, where the Moabites convinced the Israelites to follow after other gods, to bring shame and disgrace upon this people of God. Israel and Moab don't have a clean and pretty history. They don't get along very well. And now Naomi has returned home with no family, no husband, no children, but she's brought home a Moabite. A Moabite. Can you imagine the scandal? And yet... The words of Ruth in this chapter far outweigh the whispers that are heard throughout Bethlehem. The words of Ruth that we use constantly at places like weddings. When, when people are committing to spend their lives together, when people are coming together, we echo Ruth's words. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will become my people. And most importantly, your God 
will become my God. See, through all these whispers, through all the, the gossip and, and, and the questioning and what people wondering what's going on, Ruth's words call out to us. They connect with us. They make us realize that there is hope, and there is goodness that can come from a story that begins like this. Ruth has learned a valuable lesson, a lesson that perhaps we can learn from her today. Ruth has learned to change her language from singular to plural. What a valuable lesson. I, I, I know Ruth's words are literally written in the singular. Where you go, I will go, a singular word. Where you say, I will stay, a singular word. But listen to the context, the content of what Ruth is declaring. I am removing myself and I am joining you. We are moving from my to our. Ruth, a Moabite, has every reason to feel the same hostility to the people of Israel that Israel feels towards her. And yet she has joined into this family, the family of Naomi and Elimelech, the family that declares that Yahweh, God, is king. And she means it when she says it. Where you go, I will go. She even finishes that statement by saying, and if it's not this way, may it be worse for me than simply to die. Ruth has understood what it means to move from my to our. From my to our. Can you imagine what our world would look like if we could practice that daily? Moving from my to our. It's no longer my schedule it's no longer my time. It's what are our needs. And how can we help one another? How can we live into those and how can we join together as God's people? Moving from my to our. It's no longer my job and my responsibility. Instead, it's what can we do as the people of God to make an impact, to make a change, to help people see who Jesus is. It's no longer about me and it's about us moving from my to our. And of course, we do this not because alone we can do it, and not because together we can do it, but because we ultimately know that it's only through Jesus that we have any hope of sharing this message with the world. It's only through Christ that people can truly see who God is. We simply want to join what Jesus is doing all around us, to move from my to our. I think our world is in desperate need of a community of people who have understood this lesson that Ruth has learned, of moving from our own desires, our own selfishness, our own wants, and instead saying, together, who are we? Well, we are the people of God. See, I don't care what your political party is, and I don't care what your bank account says. And I don't care if you're socially acceptable or not. You may have a disease. You may be an outcast. But together, those labels vanish and we become the people of God. We move from my to our. All around us, there are people who are yearning to find a home. 
to find a group of people that they can join as Ruth joined Naomi. These two women who at different points in the story feel homesick, who feel alone, who feel like they have nothing going right for them. Naomi changes her name to Mara, bitter, because she feels alone and abandoned, and yet she has Ruth there alongside her. Ultimately, we'll find out that God is working through them as well, that God is there beside them too. When we move from my to our, when we become that community of people that the world desperately yearns for, a group of people who are there for one another, who join together, who are excited and happy to do anything and everything they can for the people around them. I think that that will begin to look like a glimpse of a true home, a place that people can truly feel comforted at rest, like they can come in and kick back and relax, sitting on a sofa next to God. What a crazy image. What a beautiful image that God provides us, that we can join into this family, that we can be seated at the table next to our God. Ruth learns to move from my to our. Perhaps that's something that you have committed to already. Perhaps something that's something uh, that you're already dedicated to. Perhaps you have already made that decision. Maybe this morning you just need a little reminder, a gentle nudge, that we are the community of God, that in a midst of people who feel homesick, who can easily imagine a scene where somebody feels out of place, when stories come to mind from your own life, or from the lives of people you care about, the stories that we thought about earlier, I remind you, you're a part of God's family. We have a true home. We are living as resident aliens, and yet we are trying to bring our true home bit by bit from heaven to earth. This morning, as is our practice, our elders and their wives are going to gather around the room and they would love to spend some time in prayer with you. If you yourself feel homesick today, if you yourself feel like you need a place to belong, a group of people who will surround you and be there for you, our elders would love to pray with you, love to visit with you. And this morning, if you would like to join into this family through baptism, I would love to come and pray with you and talk with you as well. Uh, I'll be down front. Our elders will be around the room. But church, remember today that we are a part of this family, that we have a true home, and one day that home will invade this earth so fully and so finally that you won't be able to resist it. Please come while we stand and worship together.